Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hello there, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Today we're going to study one of the many passages in the Bible that talks about God's wisdom hidden in a mystery. Now, let's listen to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 and 6 through 7. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. Yet, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. 1 Corinthians 2 1 through 2 and 6 through 7. So today we're going to use a method called Space Method. It's something that uh, this ministry actually put together as an acronym, and it's more of a memory aid to help our listeners understand how we go about our Bible studies. The SP in space represents the word speaker. So first we want to see who the speaker is in this particular Bible verse. The next would be A for audience, so we know who is being spoken to. The next is the letter C, which represents context, to understand the actual context of what is being spoken and what what it's supposed to mean. And then E in the word space is for explanation. And it's basically us understanding, you know, what the purpose and uh, what the key points are of this particular scripture. Um, And then the order of of those four is also important as it reminds us to consider the speaker, the audience, and the context before we even attempt to come to an explanation. So let's start with the speaker, who is widely known to be the Apostle Paul, the writer of most of the epistles. Correct. And he addressed these believers as someone who was their spiritual father— He had founded their church, lived among them for a year and a half, and had also even faced a Roman tribunal on their behalf. Good point. This letter was written to the church at Corinth, which means it is written to believers, and that's very important to keep in mind. And Jordan, what else do we need to know about those Corinthians? Well, like most early Christians, Andy, they were former Jews, and um, Paul actually began teaching them in Corinth at the synagogue with the assistance of two Jewish believers, Aquila and Priscilla. Eventually, the leader of that synagogue, Crispus, and his family and many other members were converted, and they, they split off from the synagogue and formed that, that church. Okay, so that's the speaker and the audience. But what about the context? Where are we in time and in the Bible when we find these passages? The letter was written in the first century AD, roughly 50 years after Christ's time on earth. It was written during Paul's third missionary journey. 
Paul had established the church during his second missionary journey, so this church was only about five years old. As for the Bible context, we're in chapter 2 of this epistle. In chapter 1, we see the two main problems this church was facing, divisions internally and an assault on their beliefs externally. Okay, so here are the internal divisions. Paul writes in chapter 1, verse 10, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Verse 11, For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Verse 12, Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, quote, I am of Paul, and, quote, I am of Apollos, and, quote, I am of Cephas, or, quote, I am of Christ. Verse 13, Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Yeah, so basically we see a lot of... Uh divisions along the lines of people claiming to be disciples of different people within the church, and it was very against the whole body of Christ concept. Like, suddenly there's a disciple of Paul and Cephas, and, and Paul is saying, this is nonsense, we were all, you were all baptized, we were all baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and we're part of the body of Christ. As far as the external assaults go, Andy, you know, Corinth was a Greek city, and this was when Greek philosophy was at its pinnacle. Paul writes in verse 22 that Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. So it was really this culture of wisdom, of, um, of higher learning, of hu- higher human learning. Right. Um, and these were Hellenistic Jews, you know, Greek Jews, so that they were heavily influenced by this culture of Greek wisdom. That's why Paul opens chapter 2 by saying, verse 1, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom. And then verse 4, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, verse 5, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Right. Here it's not about intellectual wisdom, but it's about the spiritual wisdom of God. It's understanding the heart of God. Okay. So now that we've established that, let's get into the explanation or the interpretation of these verses. Okay. And I'll pick it up in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Verse 2, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 6, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. Verse 7, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. So, Andy, we see that after explaining that the wisdom of the world is not important, Paul transitions to talking about a type of spiritual wisdom that is important. Right. He calls this uh, God's wisdom or an ancient hidden wisdom that is surrounded in a mystery. So what is that wisdom, Jordan? Well, it can't be believe in Jesus and you'll be saved because that is not hidden and not mysterious. I mean, God intended it to be widely known and simple so that no one would have any excuse and as many people as possible could be saved. Right, and Paul makes this clear in the beginning of our scripture reading. He says he did not come to Corinth with persuasive words of wisdom, but was determined to know nothing among them so that that congregation accept the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And in other words, he focused on the milk instead of the meat because they were still spiritual babes according to God and according to his understanding of the Bible. 
And going with that metaphor of milk, we see in chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes, I could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. Okay, so again, Jordan, what is the hidden wisdom, if not the message of salvation? In other words, what is the solid food that the Corinthians weren't ready to receive that Paul is asking? Well, verse 8, the verse that comes after our reading, has an important clue. Here's verse 7 again, followed immediately by verse 8. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, very important, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So Paul calls Jesus the Lord of glory, which is another way of saying that he is the Messiah. And that's a very important affirmation for a Jewish audience or formerly Jewish audience. Messiah means anointed one, which means he is the promised king. Right, and not only king, but he's the king of kings or the one who will rule the world someday. As we study in the word and we see that's when he starts the millennial kingdom. And we believe that's why Paul says, you know, if they had only known, they would not have crucified him to begin with. Yeah, and then he quotes Isaiah in the next verse, verse 9, Just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So that's the hidden wisdom, that all believers should be acting in anticipation of Christ's return as king, so they might receive what God has prepared for those who love him. It's the wisdom of not forgetting your birthright, your inheritance in Christ, which was predestined before the ages, as it says. Amen. And in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, Paul uses the analogy of a master builder to explain this wisdom further. Jordan, why don't you read for our listeners verses 10 to 15, and then we can go over it verse by verse after that. Sure, Andy. It says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but himself will be saved, yet so as through fire." And that's verses 10 to 15. So just going back to the top, let's go verse by verse. Like you said, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Okay, Jordan. So as we break down verse 10 here, we see that, first of all, it's by God's grace that Paul was given this ability to be able to share the gospel to the Corinthians. And um, like a wise master builder or an architect, he's the one that actually laid the foundation, um, which is what houses are built on. You know, there has to be a, a, some, some of the ground that gets dug out, ironically, um, out of a person's life, you could say. And then uh, the foundation is poured. It's solid concrete is what, how we would understand that today. And then he mentions that someone else needs to build on that. Um, which basically means that each of us individually as Christians need to are responsible to build our own house, though the foundation is uh, laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then it says, you know, going on, that each man must be careful how he builds on that foundation. Now, going to verse 11, I'll read that. 
For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah, so we've talked about in the past Jesus Christ as the rock, you know, this metaphor of the rock. And, and here again, we see Jesus Christ as a metaphor of a rock, an unshakable foundation made of stone. You know, that, that's what foundations are made of. So it, it's sort of in keeping with that, with that metaphor. Amen. And also uh, kind of makes me think of Acts chapter 4, verse 12, which states, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men, by which we must be saved. Yeah, and that's also important in the context of uh, 1 Corinthians 3 here, because again, he's talking about these uh, divisions over, you know, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, you know, so it's important. He's reiterating again that forget about us, the, the real foundation here. You're not founding yourself on Apollos. You're not founding yourself on me. Right. You're founding yourself on Jesus Christ. And, and we're building on it. And then, so then going to the next um, verse, we see the, the metaphor continues with the materials upon, that we use to build on that foundation. And he lays out six different materials, three that would survive and three that won't survive. They're gold, silver, precious stones, and one category of, let's call them good materials, and then wood, hay, and straw, and the other category of bad materials. And we kind of see why that's important and why they're good and bad when it comes to testing them in the next verse. Right. And also, let's keep in mind that the foundation is given to us by grace, and that represents our spirit salvation. Meaning Very important that, point. Very yeah, important meaning point. that if, um, let's say, you know, as, as we just read, every Christian is responsible to build his own house. And the foundation is the concrete that sits in the ground that we are to build on. Now, like you said, if I was to build with gold, silver, or precious stones, and my house was to catch on fire, obviously the gold and the silver and precious stones wouldn't melt. Right. But if I built with wood, hay, and straw, and again, we're talking in a spiritual sense, they would burn up and there'd be nothing left, but the, the foundation would remain. And that's very, very key, especially when we're talking about the doctrine of salvation and understanding that when we're talking about our spirit becoming saved, it's a one-time job. It's a one-time event that Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. And of course, you know, reading different chapters of Romans, especially chapter 8 and chapter 9, we see that our spirit salvation is predestined anyway. Um, God already knows we were already in his heart. We were saved from the foundation of the earth, knowing that who would be spiritually saved. Now that we know we're saved, and we didn't know that until we accepted Christ, which was again by his timing, his grace, um, now that we know that, our job is to is to study the Word of God, and that is the goal of, of our Bible study, this 20-minute Bible study, is to, to show our listeners that, yes, you are saved, praise God, because you accept Christ as your Savior, and that's, again, because of God's grace. But now what we want to do is help guide you and show you that it's our responsibility as Christians to build on that foundation because there will be a time when a fire, a, a trial by fire, or a baptism of fire, will uh, will take God will take all all of our works and put it pass it through that fire to determine the value or the quality of those works. So yeah, we see that in the next verse, you know, each man's work will become evident for the day, speaking of judgment day, will show it because it's to be revealed with fire, fire a symbol of judgment again that will test the quality of each man's work. I want to go back though, it's interesting because you know, why six different materials? Why why break it down? Why not just say, you know, I don't know, gold and 
Or good works, wood, good know. works and bad works. Right. So, so why, why does he get specific and have three good and three bad? There's this notion within Christendom that um, either saved or you're not. You know, doesn't really matter what you do. Maybe you'll disappoint God if you don't do a great job on earth. But everyone's kind of it's sort of an egalitarian notion. And, in, and and that's and I have to you know I just want to mention on that really quick though. That's if you were of the school of believing you cannot lose your salvation. Right. But then there's another school, um, and that's the Calvinistic you know, uh, thought process. And then there's another school of thought, which is the Arminian thought, which which uh, teaches that you can lose your salvation. And what we want everyone to understand is that actually, depending on which salvation we're talking about, they're both correct. Right. So um, as right. far as the spirit salvation, yes, the Calvinists are 100% correct. You cannot lose your spirit salvation. You can't break the foundation. You can't burn the foundation. No, because Jesus paid right. it all. Right. But when you're talking about your works or your salvation into the millennial kingdom, which is the salvation of your soul, then yes, that can be lost or that can be forfeited if you happen to use you know, only wood, hay, and straw to build your house. Right. Because um, it's flammable. <laughs> Absolutely, it is, and um, you know, it's it's stuff that's not important in in heaven. Right. You know, wood. The reason why it's flammable is because these are things that represent worldly things. Works um, of e- self. And, exactly. Right. You know. Uh, you know your your you know what you did in your life that might have been representative of sin, or what you did in your life that represented uh you know self glorification and what have you. Um, that's what wood, hay, and straw represent. And you can go on our website actually of um, motk.org, mysteriesofthekingdom.org, and you can go back and look at some of the studies that we did on the parables and a lot of the parables actually explain and teach and they and they actually pinpoint certain values of of the wood hay and straw or the gold silver and precious stones and explain what they represent and they do represent specific doctrines so they're important to study um, but moving on Jordan yes I, I agree with you 100 um, percent there is a distinct reason why God uses you know a division of six, let's say three good and three bad, but there is there is importance, great importance to those. Yeah, and actually, more specifically, I was speaking to I guess the Calvinist school, as you've pointed out, saying you can't lose your salvation, but that doesn't mean that we're all going to be equal, and that's clear yes. here and many other passages, like the parables you mentioned, because there are always levels given, you know, levels of reward, levels of the quality of people's works. In this case, you know, there's a gold level of work. You know, there's a silver level, there's a precious stone level. And even on the other side of, you know, works of self or, you know, sinful works or whatever you want to call it, there's wood, hay, and straw. So it's clear here and in other passages in the Bible that everything happens in levels. And just because once saved, always saved, we shouldn't just assume that everyone's going to receive the same reward in the kingdom. That's that's not true. The Bible doesn't support that. There, there are greater rewards for those who do greater things for God and lesser rewards for those who do lesser things for God. It's not egalitarian in that sense. Yeah, and again, what we want to stress, the one saved, always saved, is speaking of your spirit salvation, which is for eternity. And again, to give kudos to the Armenians, they believe that salvation can be lost or forfeited. So if you kind of look at both you know, both both values. Um, if you don't understand the difference between the salvation of the spirit and the salvation of the soul, you will always have this constant struggle and division, which Paul's warning that they should not have. Right. And, you know, going back to our earlier verses, he's saying, you know, that, and this spiritual wisdom, I will share with those who are mature. So he's saying that, look, this wisdom that Paul was actually trying to share is that there is a difference between spirit salvation and soul salvation. He was actually telling them, look, 
Yes, you have spirit salvation. It doesn't mean you can live any way you want because there's more to just being a Christian. Don't be shocked that at the Bema Seat of Christ one day when we all get raptured, that many of us Christians will actually suffer loss or be heartbroken because we didn't live righteously and carefully the way we should have and be obedient to God. So let's read the next verse and kind of learn a little bit more about yeah, that. Yeah, it's clear in the next verse is, if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss. Right, and then it ends by saying, but he himself will still be saved, yet so as through the fire. So explain that a little bit. Yeah, like you, you just made it, basically. You know, you, of course, again, the foundation is Christ. You can't burn the foundation. You're, you're going to heaven. You're not going to the lake of fire. But So you'll be saved from separation from God for eternity. But just as someone who, who's escaped a house fire, like you just barely made it. You know, maybe even your clothes are, are singed. I don't know. But, you know, you just barely made it. You, you've got nothing. You've, you've got nothing from your house with you. You've got nothing, nothing to carry with you after that, after that judgment by fire. So God's going to look at our entire life. He's going to be a fair judge and evaluate us based on that to determine whether or not, and this is the big question here, um, whether we pass or fail. And really quick, in summary, could you explain to our listeners what I mean by whether they're going to pass or fail at this Bema Seat? To pass is to have the quality of your work survive the judgment fire, so you earn the right to rule and reign with Christ. To fail is to lose this glorious inheritance. So let's summarize this study and give our takeaway for today. To those who are easily distracted by church divisions or world philosophies, the Apostle Paul says, Grow up and get wise. You are not of this earth. You are meant to be working towards your eternal reward. That's the hidden wisdom. Amen. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they're unable to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax-deductible. 
To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click donate. And if you can't afford to give $20 now, how about giving 20 people you know an opportunity to listen to this ministry? That's right. You can send them an email with our website or post a link on your favorite social media platform. And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. Until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rates reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.